want you to take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 16. I'd be amiss if I didn't preach on the resurrection, and, uh, and uh, I counted a real joy to do that. Um, it is probably the, if not the birth of the Lord, it's, uh, it's the resurrection that uh, is the highlight of the, of the Christian calendar. Um, I don't know whether you've seen, we've changed the marquee out front this morning. Sometimes we'd like to change it more often, probably. Uh, uh, I think if I think if I word for word, it, I think it's uh, the the greatest, the worst, and the greatest days were only three days apart. And uh, meaning is, of course, his death being the greatest, uh, worst day, and of course the resurrection being the greatest. Uh, I pray that um, the greatest day of your life. And continues to be uh, something you look back on and and uh, relish was when the resurrection became a reality for you. Um, you know the point of being a church, and you know when you think about it, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. Um, we t- not just on on this day uh, in April, but it's something that we celebrate every day, every Sunday of the, of the year is the resurrection. You know, we changed. You think about it. They worshiped the Sabbath, you know, up until the resurrection. And after that, they made uh, the first day of the week, the resurrection, the primary day of where Christians gather together and to commemorate. Um, I was talking to somebody just uh, this week and, and said they, they uh, of course, if you recognize the, it isn't... Uh, um, I think Tuesday, they, I've heard people say they celebrate the Lord's Supper. Actually, instead of being on a Sunday this week, they celebrate it on a Tuesday, which would have been the day that the Lord gathers disciples together. And, of course, the rest of the Holy Week is played out after that. Uh, so it is a, what I say is a huge uh, thing. But it, I, I guess what I'm going to look at this morning, and really I think to preach on the resurrection is is the idea that it's a... You know, we think of, uh, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he what? Live. So it's a living, uh, living and abiding and reigning with us. You know, it's something that we recognize and appreciate uh, uh, every, every day. And, and we come to uh, church on, on Sunday to, again, to... Uh, uh, to appreciate, show that appreciation and commemorate what Christ has done for us and was able to accomplish that we could not ac- accomplish ourselves. In Mark chapter number 16, of course, this is uh, the Mark's account, and uh, I want to take some time to, to read that, and uh, we'll go from there. Mark chapter number 16, and if you're able, please stand out of respect for the Word of God. Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? 
When they had looked and saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. Seek, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. And of course, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. As he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, and they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that he had been with that that told them that had been with him as they as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, had been seen of her, believed not. And after that he appeared to another in the form of the two of them. And as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the residue, neither believed they them. And afterward he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these things shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, they shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. And confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, as it even speaks in the last words of this chapter, working with them. And I thank you, Father, that you're still working with us, abiding with us. And, Father, we sense and know and understand the resurrection each and every morning, each and every afternoon and evening. Father, we sense and know your presence through your word and through your church, through your people. And, Father, we thank you for that abiding truth. And, Father, never leaves us nor forsakes us. And your abiding presence, Father, that empowers and blesses. Help us, Father, to be more of a realization of that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I was going to give the message a title. I would call it Living Faith. You know, there's all kinds of different types of faith. Some, I might say, God will not honor. There's a, Everybody has some kind of faith. I took the young people and really working diligently as much as I know how to teach them about money and how it takes faith to really do what is right with money and with time and with your talents. It takes faith. But the kind of faith that God is going to honor is called the living faith. He is the resurrection and the life. The Bible says, He that believeth in him 
should not abide in darkness. God's plan is for you and I to recognize that. And if you look at the text today, you'll see here that who he first appeared to wasn't to the lost people. Okay? He did not appear to those that did not know him. He appeared to his disciples, to those that knew him and loved him and, 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 uh, and longed for his presence. And notice that he, his first appearance to them and after they'd all had seen different uh, uh, opportunities that the Lord manifest himself to certain disciples. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 14, it says afterward, that means after he had appeared to them in these different occasions, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me, and he, what the Bible says, and he did what? He upbraided them. He upbraided them for what? Their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now you'd think somebody that was wanting to show a, a, a victory and wanted to show uh, a, what he had been able to accomplish, the first thing that he would say wouldn't be to upbraid them. But God has an expectation, doesn't he? God has an expectation just not for his disciples, but he has an expectation for you and me. And that expectation isn't something that I think that we can that we want to disappoint him in, as he says, he, he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because the Bible says here, they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You know, we, as a church, are those that know Christ as our Savior. And if you're here this morning and you're not certain about this Jesus as your Savior... If you're not certain about the idea that you must be born again, let me tell you this morning that without Christ as your Savior, there is no chance of eternal life. Without Christ, someone that you're depending on completely, 100%, for your salvation, that means you're not depending on your church attendance, you're not depending on the fact that you try to be a good person, you're not depending on the fact that you have a heritage of family members that know Jesus as their Savior, but you, yourself, are depending on Him for your salvation. The resurrection is a very vital and very exciting thing, but without a Savior, it's really nothing. If you haven't personally taken Christ as your Savior, then, then Resurrection Sunday means just another day of the week. You're not aware of it, the Catholics celebrate Resurrection Sunday. If you're not aware of it, Methodists celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Episcopalians and Presbyterians. Many of those are not saved. So just celebrating the resurrection without having Christ as your Savior is a vain Thing. I think somebody mentioned this morning already it's not about the Easter bunny it's not about uh, taking your kids out for a, a plastic egg hunt out in the, in the yard and if that's the only experience that you have of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to come up wanting 
If he upbraided his disciples for their unbelief, the ones that knew him and loved him and trusted him and put their faith in him as, as Christians, then where do you stand that have never done that? If he upbraided them, his disciples, the ones that he knew, where do you stand in your salvation? I guess what I'm saying is don't take this for granted. If somehow Jesus is not the first and foremost in your life right now, if reading his word and studying his word and being a part of the body of Christ is not your life right now, then what is? What is more important than the resurrection of Christ? What is more important than the author and the finisher of, of salvation to you? Is making a living? Should that be more important? Is just having a family and living life, is that more important? When I was talking to my young people this morning, I keep emphasizing the fact that when you're saved, you're no longer a consumer. Of course, we're talking about money. We're talking about time. I says now, if you're saved, you're an investor. Well, you say, what do you mean by that? If you're lost and you're not investing your, your life in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's, that's a reason you're not investing. It's because you don't know him as your Savior. You have no priority. But those that are saved, those that know him as our, uh, as our Lord and Savior, that is the primary responsibility. He says, as he told his disciples, he said unto them, go. <laughs> it's a, and that, that hasn't changed. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Yes or no? If he is Lord of your life, if he is your King of kings, if he is your Savior, then he has a priority over your life. When he said, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. If the disciples, those that knew him, those that loved him, those that appreciated him, if they didn't have a heart of faith and a heart of belief, then how was that lost world they were living in at that time trying to know about Christ as their Savior. That's what I'm asking you this morning. And you need to ask yourself this question. Do you have living faith? I'm not talking about saving faith. Everybody know what saving faith is? There's a difference. Saving faith is what the disciples had and those that loved him and knew him. They had known that he was the Savior and that he was the Son of God and that he did die for them and that they did put their trust in him. But saving faith, I think, is really very simple. I'm a sinner. Sinners deserve to go to where? To hell. I don't want to go to hell. I know Christ died for me. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, you do whatever you want. You're the Lord. You're the Savior. That's saving faith. 
A person that has repented, they've forgiven themselves to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've admitted their sin. They've admitted their state with, that was wrong with God. I have lived my life for myself. I was just a consumer. That's saving faith. But what Jesus is telling, he's talking about the resurrection. Not just saving faith that, that saved you from the, the, the condemnation of your sin and sending you to hell. He's talking about them living by faith. He's talking about this is what the resurrection is all about. And the Bible says here that he says he appeared unto them and sat in the meeting and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was what? Risen. So again, let me emphasize this. If Jesus is not your Lord, if he is not the priority of your life, that means you're not in the word of God, you're not in his church, you're not with his people, you're not trying to find his will, then I would say very, very, very confidently, as a preacher of the gospel, you are without Christ as your Savior. You say, well, were you trying to scare me? I'm just being honest. Why would you want me to get up here and just say some fluffy things to make you feel good when in doubt and right now and you know in your heart that I'm right, that something's not right between you and God if he's not your Lord? But I want to talk to those that know him as their Lord. Resurrection Sunday is a Christian day. It's a day that we come together and we say, wow, I'm so excited of what God has done for me and is continuing to do every day. I'm great. I'm excited about the new heights of a grace that I've experienced uh, since I've been saved. I'm excited about the things that I've learned about the Lord Jesus Christ in his word. I'm excited about the opportunity to memorize his word. I'm excited about going into all the world and preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm hoping that we can help those people that are going to Nicaragua Aragua and Paraguay. I'm hoping that we help Brother uh, Courtney on with what God has called him to do. I'm excited about that. That's living faith. What if you don't have it? Well, my thing to you folks this morning is that we can have it. God is providing. If you're a part of this church, and I mentioned this this morning, God is providing for everyone to experience Christ in his fullest. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus wants you to know and understand and, and see his presence in your life on a daily basis? Let me believe that God, that's the kind of resurrection God wants us to have. I know it is. And if it's anything less than that, then how is God looking at us this Sunday morning? Come on. Let's just, we, isn't, it, isn't it healthy? You go to a doctor, you want him to just tell you uh, something that makes you feel good? Or do you want him to tell you the truth? You want to say, God, you say, doctor, uh, uh, really, what is my condition? I mean, how is my heart beating? How is my uh, 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 blood pressure? And how is the uh, 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 how am I doing overall? 
Oh, you're fine. Just go on. And he never checks anything. So, well, that wasn't very helpful. See, God wants you to know where you stand. God wants you to realize when Jesus came to his disciples, he wasn't just going to get them, oh, you guys made it, you got through that difficult time of the crucifixion. And he says, afterward he appeared in the leaven and upbraided them for their unbelief. You know, as Christians, you look through the book of Proverbs, you'll find someone that loves God, wants to hear what's missing in their life. They want to hear, God, what what is it I need to do to be a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better daughter? What do I need to do to be a brother or sister in the Lord? What do I need? I want to be what you want me to be. That is the spirit. I believe that God wants us to to have that kind of resurrected life. Let me give you some examples of this, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. This, of course, is <clears throat> Gospel writer's Luke. Look with me down in verse number 10. Verse number 9, if you'll step up one verse, and the Bible says, And he returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna... And Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostle. Well, this is what Jesus had a problem with. In verse number 11, And their words seemed as, to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. That's a problem. Were they operating by faith? How many believe they were operating by faith at this moment? Were they responding in the proper way? I think there's a problem. Look in verse 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score long, score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together, they reasoned. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another, and you walk and are what? Got a problem with that. How many agree Jesus had a problem with that? These were two of his disciples, and they weren't going toward Jerusalem, they are going away. Great example of a lack of living faith. In verse number 18, And one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou as only a stranger of Jerusalem, have not known the things that are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? Oh, that's, you knew. He knew, right? But he wanted to know what they was on their heart. How many think that Jesus wanted to know what was in their mind and in their heart? 
How many of you think Jesus wants to know what's in your mind and in your heart? How many think that Jesus like to know? Come on. He wants to know if you're really doing what is, is on your mind and in your heart. Are you really living by faith? Are you really thinking God is in control and God is, is doing his will in my life? And the Bible says, And they said unto concerning Jesus of Nazareth with the prophet, mighty in deed and word. What did they call him? They called him a prophet. Before God and all the people and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted... We had faith, but we trusted that it had been him that should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also, our company, made us astonished when we were early at the sepulcher. And they found not his body and came, saying they had also seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us. Went up to the sepulchre and found, even and so the women had said, but him they saw not. So what did Jesus find out when he asked them what things? What did he find out? Did he hear living faith? Did he hear disciples that were excited about uh, the fact that there was going to be a change in the world and a change in them and God was going to do a great work? Or was there sounds of doubt? If the Lord would show up this morning in the physical and sit down with you in your pew this morning and ask him, what's on your heart? What, what, what's the priority of your morning and your day and your week? What will you find out? The upraid came a little early for these two. Verse 25, read with me. Then he said unto them, what? Oh, fools. Wow. Oh, fools. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? Oh, fools. Now, I don't know about you. But somebody call me a fool, I start having a problem with it. How many of you think you might have a problem? Somebody call you a fool. How many of you think that I? You know what? I I, uh, I I didn't mind this guy joining with us for a while, and we having this conversation about uh, uh, Jesus. But listen, you're going to turn around and call me a fool. Jesus didn't have any problem calling him a fool. The Bible says, beginning at Moses. Come help me out, Christian. Where's Moses found? First five books were devoted to Moses, right? He's, he's described his writing. The Bible says he started at Moses and all the prophets expounded unto them all the scriptures the same concerning himself. Watch the transformation here, folks. Please, bear with me. Watch the transformation. They drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they, const they constrained him and say, Abide with us. What did he say? They wanted who to abide with him? Jesus. 
Something was missing. Something was missing in this living faith. They needed abiding faith and they knew the person that they had run up against had what they were looking for. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with him. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with him, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to him. And the Bible says their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. What was Jesus wanting them to have? What kind of faith? Saving faith? They had that. He wanted them to have living faith. They wanted him to see his presence. You say, how many of you are happy with the way our world's going? Huh? Are you happy with what you hear on the news every day? Are you content? Does it get under your skin a little bit with what you hear every day? Listen, that can make anybody sad. I mean, it, I can kind of get to you. It gets to me. But we have a one. We have a savior. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, we got a lot of things going on in this world, and the world's going to the pot, but we have a savior. He lives and he abides with us. And no matter what may go on in this world, we have never, ever a license to be sad. You say, why? Because we experience, come on, Christian, listen to me. You and I experience the Lord Jesus Christ every single day in our life. You can have a bad day with your husband or with your wife or with your kids. But guess what? You have the resurrected Lord always with you. You can get some bad news from the doctor. You can get some bad news from your neighbor. You can get some bad. But listen, you have one. You have the resurrected Lord. And he vanished. He got what he needed accomplished. If Jesus, our Lord, is with us today, he's with us for one purpose. He's bringing you and me from just having a saving faith to a living faith. To taking what, what God has given as the gift of eternal life and making it a, a useful life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some things I think will help you. There was, God bless her, there was an individual on that resurrection morning that I believe God was not rebuking or reproving. Anybody knew who that person was? Huh? Mary Magdalene. You follow this, this lady. You listen to what the Bible says uh, uh, about the difference between saving faith and a and and and, and a and a faith that is living. All these, I mean, you think about it, you got Peter, right? I mean, you got, you got all these, John, you've got uh, 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 James. Three solid men that were with him when he was transfigured before him, and they seen Moses and Elijah, and they talked with Christ. 
Where were they when it came to have living faith? But God lifts up this woman called Mary Magdalene. We need to learn a little bit about Mary Magdalene. If you take your Bibles and turn with me. John chapter number 14. John chapter number. We're going to look at a little bit of what is the difference between faith <clears throat> that the Lord speaks of that I think she can. Look in verse number 15 with me. The Bible says in verse 15 of Luke chapter 14, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent a servant to the supper, Time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. And the first said unto them, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. Pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. That never happened to our men, has it? Hope not. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go quickly into the streets and the lanes and the city, and bring the hither and the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highway and hedges, and compel them to come in, and my house may be filled. Here we have... I mean, I need to be in John, I'm sorry. I thought, where am I at? Let's try it again. Bear with me. Starting in verse 15. If you want, love me, keep my commandments. I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comforts, I will come to you. Yet, in a little while... The world seeth me no more. And this is the verse I was looking for in Luke, which I never would find. Verse number 19. Yet in a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye, what? See me. What was the problem when the disciples, after the resurrection, they couldn't see him, could they? They didn't believe anymore. But the problem is, and you see here, but because I live, what? You all show. <clears throat> because I live, ye shall live also. You say, what was the difference? There's a vast difference between living faith, <clears throat> saving faith, and living faith. 
In verse number 20, In that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself again to him. Mary Magdalene. It's an example of what we just read. Look at 1 John. 1 John, chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse number 5, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby, we, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love of his God. Everyone that loveth is born of God. <clears throat> And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might what? Live. Is that saving? Is that living faith or saving faith? Living faith. God wants to manifest himself through us. Let's see. Bear with me. Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8. I want, you to, I want you to see this because I thought it to be interesting that of all the people that Jesus worked with was his disciples. Luke chapter number 8. Verse number 1. The Bible says it came to pass after that he had went through every city and village, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered to him. Here we have an individual called Mary Magdalene. He went, she went with him. You say, why? Let's step back in chapter number 7. Verse 31. The Bible, or verse 36. And one of the Pharisees, desiring that he would eat with him. This is chapter 7, verse number 36. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, 
When she knew that it was Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought in an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. And when the Pharisees that had been in saw it, saw it he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Say, say, and he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him five hundred pence, the other fifty. When they had nothing to pray, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them loved him the most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom the forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? He said unto him, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. To whom much is what? You say, Pastor, well then that's not fair. I I could never be like that woman because I I never committed the the atrocities that this woman has committed. Uh, She had seven devils and Remember, he says, whom much is forgiven. You remember the story he gave here was the fact that both were debtors. The parable that was two a debtor, neither one could pay what they owed. One owed a lot, one didn't think they owed as much. You say, why? Why are you bringing this up? Because Mary Magdalene loved Jesus and lived by faith when his disciples didn't. How many of you know that the debt that the disciples had was just as egregious to the Lord as Mary Magdalene? How many of you know that? She recognized her sin. Now listen to me carefully. Because I believe what we're talking about is the difference between living faith, saving faith, and living faith. The difference we're talking about is somebody that was able to maintain a right mind, a right heart. 
Take your Bibles and turn to John, if you will. John chapter number 20. Let's see this living faith at work. Let's see the difference between saving faith and living faith. John chapter number 20, verse number 1, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it's yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and saith to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. We know not where they have laid him. I mean, you hear some passion in there. I mean, here's somebody that says, wow, they've taken him. Uh, what are we going to do, Peter? What are we going to do, uh, uh, James? What are we going to do, disciples? And the Bible says, Peter went there forth. That other disciple came to the sepulcher. So they both ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. This is John, by the way. And he, stooping down, looked in and saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following and went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together, but placed by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and what? Believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples did what? Read it with me. What'd they do? They went away again unto their own home. Well, I guess this is just how it ends. I guess this is all over. I, I thought it was going to be different. Uh, the road, one man on the road to Emmaus, they said, well, I thought it was going to be different. Listen, they all had the same saving faith, but it wasn't what? Watch what Mary does. But what? But Mary. That, that's a, when you see that conjunction in there, it's saying, here's the difference. Here's one set of faith that does this, but I want you to see what Mary did. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, what? Weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see it two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus lay. Who else looked in the sepulcher? Come on, help me out. Who else looked in there? Yeah, Peter and John. They looked in there. Did they see anything? Just the linen clothes. Just the napkin that's about his head. They didn't see nothing. But when she looked in, the woman said, Why weepest <clears throat> seen two angels? In verse 13, and they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? How many, know, how many think the angels already knew why she was weeping? Yeah, they knew. Say unto her, the woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, I know not where they've laid him.
And when he had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. And knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why weepest thou? Let me ask you, did Jesus know why she was weeping? How many knew think Jesus knew why she was weeping? Whom seek thou? This is Jesus talking. She's supposed to be a gardener. Say then, sir, if thou hast laid, borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. She didn't have time to go home. She didn't have time to think about anything else but to serve God and to love God. The one that she had sat with and, and wept and, and washed his feet and kissed his feet was the same Lord that she was looking for now. And Jesus said unto her what? Mary. Wow. Listen to me, folks. That's a game changer. Bible says when she said, when he said, Mary, the Bible says she turned herself and said to them, Rabboni, say Master, Lord. Let me ask you, was Jesus pleased with Mary? Help me out. You say, what, what was the difference between Jesus and, and his disciples and the Jesus and Mary? Come on. What was he looking for? Living faith. Let me ask you this morning. We came here to church on this special day, the special day of the Christian year. And we came and we say, well, you got to come. I mean, if you're a Christian, everybody shows up in church on, on, the, on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, that's expected, that's a desire. But what did you really come for? Did you come to please yourself or did you come to please God? And he says, Jesus said unto her, touch me not. First thing he says, don't touch me. Why did he say that to Mary? <laughs> come on, you know what she was going to do. What she did before. She was going to say, I'm going to express my love to him. I'm going to express my devotion to him. I'm going to express how much I, I believe in him and I'm going to live for him and I want to serve him. And she said, don't touch me. I know what you're thinking, Mary. Can't do it yet. But what did he tell her to do? Touch me not, for I'm not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and your God. Let me ask you another question, folks. Would he have done the same thing for John here? Would he have done it for them? But what was lacking? One thing thou lackest. And they lacked that. You say, well, I'd like to have this 
uh, experience of, of, of the resurrection in my life. I'd like to experience the Lord Jesus and see him as he really is and experience the great grace that I want to see just... Do you really? Ask yourself. Come on, Christian. Ask yourself. Be honest with yourself. Do you really? Then you've got to decide that saving faith is not sufficient. You just got to make that decision this morning. You say, Pastor, I, uh, I, I need to do that. You need to set, not me, you need to stand before God and say, God, I want what Mary has. I don't want, I don't want what Peter had. I don't want what uh, John had. Uh, I, I want what Mary had. The kind of love and devotion says there's nothing more important to me than right now than serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing at home more important to me. There's nothing at work more important to me. There's nothing else more important to me than the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, verse 18, as we close. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. How many think that their disciples were looking at one another and saying, why Mary? Right? I mean, really? I was at the sepulcher. I didn't see him. Why Mary? Why didn't we have that? Why didn't we experience that? Why didn't God do that for us? You know, we jump all over Thomas. For not being there. But in reality, neither were the rest of the disciples there. Let me encourage you this morning. First of all, three little points. I'm not going to elaborate on them. I've done that already. One, living faith is an exception to the rule. If you're going to have living faith, you're going to be an exception to the rule. That means you're going to, an exception to the rule, you're going to memorize those verses that God has put on, your, on our church's heart. You're going to do that. You're going to push back. You're going to make it happen. You're going to make it happen for you. You're going to make it happen for your kids. You're going to say, I've got a lot of things to do. I don't have time. Listen, you're going to make it happen. It's going to, you're going to be an exception to the rule. You're going to be faithful to church, faithful to give, faithful to witness, faithful. Because you have living faith. Secondly, Living faith serves no matter what the circumstances. Are you hearing me? The circumstances look bleak. The disciples are here. They didn't see nothing. You say, you know what? What did Mary do? She stayed right there. She said, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to serve God. Listen, some of you need to learn to stay Right here. Some of you say, well, I, I just, uh, I, I ain't seeing what I need to see. I'm not feeling what I need to feel. I'm not experiencing what I need to experience. You need to stay right where God has put you. Verse 14 and 15. I see some weeping. 
How many see the weeping there? He that goeth forth what? Weeping. Bearing what? Precious seed. Shall doubtless again come again what? Bringing his sheaves with him. Be rewarded. Living faith is an exception to the rule. Living faith serves no matter what the circumstances. Verse 16 and 18 through 18. I want you to see this again. Living faith seeks to love more and more. Are you listening? Christianity never reaches a plateau. Did you know that? What you lived, the kind of faith you lived on the day before isn't what God wants tomorrow. Are you listening? Some of you are trying to run on yesterday's faith. You're trying to run on, see, I got saved. Pastor, I got saved a year ago. I got saved 10 years ago. Uh, I've been coming to church. That, That isn't what I'm asking you. The saving faith is one that's new every morning. In verses 16 through 18, it expresses a personal walk with the Lord himself. I, I have more, but I'd be honest with you, I don't have time. But I looked at Mary in the, in the, in the special resurrection morning, and I said, wow, what a special lady in the eyes of God. Nobody else had what she had. You say, why did she have it? Come on, help me out. Why did she have what nobody else had? There's a difference. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Say that with me, Christian. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he what? Live. Well, you ask yourself, first of all, you ask yourself, what do you want? You came here on this resurrection morning for a purpose. What was it for? Was it just to satisfy your conscience? Well, you can go. You've done that. Or did you come this morning saying, Lord, I want the kind of faith that Mary had. I I don't want to love you like anybody else. I want to love you like Mary loved you. You say, where do you start? To whom much is forgiven. Sometimes we think, well, uh, uh, we need to get Brother Alexander. God bless him. He brought up something I thought was so quaint. It is that repentance is something that happens on a daily basis. Out with the old man, in with the new. Sometimes we think, well, I'm, I've been forgiven. I'm, I'm, I, everything's taken. You know what? As long as you walk in this flesh, you're going to have to spend some time dealing with sin. I will as well. 
You say, I want to experience a living faith. I want to experience one. Then you got to be like Mary. She felt herself so unworthy. Every day she got up, she could count her sins. She could see her depravity. She could see what was missing. And what did God do? He blessed her on that resurrection morning. Come on down here, Mary. I know you're coming down here to anoint the body. I know you're coming down here to serve me. I know you don't have all the faith you need, but let me show you an experience that I'm not going to give everybody. I want to give everybody, but I'm not going to give it to everybody. So you came here this morning. I hope you came for the ability to say, God, make me like Mary. God, make me like Mary. Make me have a faith that, that, that is living. Because you are the resurrection. You are the resurrection. Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the simple but very powerful truths of your word. Lord, help us to be a people that is forgiven of much. So that we can love you much. Help us to be a people that are humble. That are broken. That Father are going to serve you. And no matter what the circumstances are. That we're going to people. That people living faith. That, that are an exception to the rule. Help us to be a people that. Are able to be used by you to encourage others as Mary was, to live by faith. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you for your presence this morning that has the ability to heal, that has the ability to break and to make whole. Lord, help us in this invitation. In Jesus' name. Yeah, a pianist is going to play. You want to come and say, I want to have what Mary had. I want a living faith. I don't, I've got saving faith. I want something that's living. I want to be, the, God make me an exception to the rule. Make me a new creature. Make me see you that I can be used to help others. I didn't just come here this morning to satisfy my conscience. I came to be changed. I came to see Christ. I came to look in. Would he still do it for you? Would he still do it for me?